You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hello, friends. Welcome back to a new episode of Between You and Me, the podcast where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in the industry. Okay, today's a little bit different because we're not really talking to music makers. You're talking to me, a journalist in the music industry. But let's just work with it because I thought it would be really fun to do a Q&A session where I have one of my closest friends ask me things about the podcast, about the industry, and where we could share some stories about what it's like to grow up in the church and sort of unravel our faith. I know that a lot of you guys have had similar experiences to me and when we've spoken to artists and heard their stories, there's been a lot of things that have connected us like unraveling our faith and deconstructing things and finding things that are hilarious. So today's a chance for us to relax and get to know each other a little better. For starters, I would love to introduce you to my wonderful co-host who is just like, what? What's happened? Guys, this is Rachel. Rachel Morris is best friend but also sister Rachel say (laughs) Rachel say hi to the people hi people (laughs) really comfortable on air I asked Rachel to come with me today one because she knows me really well so you may get slightly more candid Jessica than like slightly anxious Jessica that you get the podcast (laughs) when when she asks you questions um so true I I thought it'd be really fun because Rachel and I are actually twins and so we have grown up through the whole 90s era of conservative Christian music church in Australia and no one knows Veggie Tales or CCM in that perspective better than us. It's true. Yeah. True. So mm. let's start with the fact, Rachel, tell people about you. What do you actually do with yourself? Okay, so I am Jessica's twin sister. And beyond that, <laughs> I am older by four minutes. She won't let me forget it ever um but also i am a social worker on the enneagram because i know that you guys talk about the enneagram a lot i am a one the reformer slash perfectionist mostly with a nine wing so i like to chill out a bit more and i'm on the myers-briggs which you haven't touched on yet unfortunately um i'm the enfj and I'm a Gryffindor. Yes, I asked Rachel particularly. I was like, what's your Hogwarts house? I'm a Gryffindor too. I don't know if we covered that because we haven't dived into Harry Potter. Could be a sticky subject, so let's steer clear. But oh, proud Gryffindors right I here. I want to talk about Harry Potter. Don't <laughs> <laughs> about Harry. Jessica's got good Harry Potter stories to share. I, I have plenty of great Harry Potter stories yeah. to share with you guys. Like that time when I had a crisis of faith. <laughs> And people tried to cast demons out of me. Like The Harry Potter demons. Yeah, it was, a, it was a demon of Harry Potter. That's a story in itself. There's also the, the Disney one. Remember that? When yeah. we were at the camp. And, and yeah, guys, it's been a thing. So I don't feel like we should bring it up too much. <laughs> too many people will be like, that was me as well. Guys, we go to counselling. We're going to be okay. I promise you. <laughs> okay. So that's Rachel. Um a few questions for Rachel. She'll be asking me questions later. But because it's only fair that you get to know our new host. Rachel, what is your favourite VeggieTales character? Oh, okay. I have to give a notable mention to Bob because he is a one. Amen. And I love him and his sock collection with a passion. <laughs> um, but I love Larry Boy. Larry Boy, you know, Larry's alter ego just 
resonates with my soul because he tries so hard to do the right thing. He doesn't always get there, but he tries, <laughs> and I feel like that's my life. And our, <laughs> fun fact, our, so the first car we had, we shared because twins. Twins, yeah. Um, and we called it Lowry Boy. And it was yeah. like this beaten up old 1984 Toyota Corona that went to heaven RIP when I pushed a power pole out of the way. But Larry, <laughs> Larry Boy was a good solid car. He was a good solid car. And on that note, nearly every other car we've had since we've named after VeggieTales yeah, characters. It's a thing. So we've had a Bob, we've had a Junior, we've had a Madame Blueberry, and we've had an Archie for Archibald Asparagus. I currently have Laura because my car is bright orange, which is awesome because I always lose it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we do rep the VeggieTales thing a lot and we're proud of it. it. It may be weird at 29, but we're just running with it because it makes us happy. I'm a kids counsellor, so I'm allowed to. <laughs> So it goes with my profession. We're fine. So, Rachel, we know your Enneagram type, the fact that you're a Gryffindor, and yes. we know your favourite VeggieTales character. Yes. What was your favourite CCM bands when you were growing up? Okay. Notable mention for Hillsong, but Hillsong Jam. So we were at the Hillsong Conference when Jesus and Me, which is that the Hillsong Kids? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So when Hillsong Kids was called Jam, Jesus and Me, and they released their first ever cassette tape, it was called Radical for God. And no, 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 no. Radical <laughs> for God. I literally just forgot. I hadn't thought about it for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Bless you. Um, so I loved, I loved Jam, so Hillsong Jam. Um and we just played that cassette over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And also the Darlene Check era of Hillsong. Oh, long um, live. We used to sing and dance to those songs at school in classrooms and make the teachers let us perform. Like, what was the, what were the songs? Uh, like, all things, all things are possible. All things are possible. From every um, mountain. I, as you can tell, we were extremely cool and beloved <laughs> at school. We were like the top of the pack. We got like the citizenship award at the end of the, the end of year six, and we had hardly any friends, but we had the citizenship award in Jesus. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, okay, sorry, off tangent again. Sorry, I did a lot. Jam, and also when I hit my teenagers, Zoe Girl. Oh yes, Zoe Girl shaped my life in the most beautiful way. Every single album, my cousins put me onto them. And I just, oh man, I still love those songs. Do you, can you pick a favourite song or oh. like top three, like that come to mind? Um, uh, with All of My Heart. With your, All of My Heart. Yeah, that one. But because of licensing, I can't play that. So oh, all you get we? is a snippet. That's so sad. I know, right? Go go listen to it, guys. Um, With All of My Heart. I'll we, link it in our show notes. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. We, we danced to that at church. And there's a song that's like a deep cut on which album it's one of their later albums and it's called safe and it's a safe yeah yeah wow Um, (laughs) sorry it's that's a song that pops up into my head like once every like three or four weeks um yeah and so i really love that one and then there was also a, a kind of lame one that i still half love it like reps the christian girl going to school who carries a bible and won't wear short skirts and probably wears a purity ring and that was me i wore a purity ring for a year yes she Um, was congratulated by our driving instructor for my i'm sorry (laughs) my engagement to jesus so like that was that was my era yeah yeah I enjoyed it. Solid choices. And just so people have a perspective on the fact that you have excellent taste in music now. <laughs> Sorry, I love Thank Zoe you Girl. so much. <laughs> what music do you love now? Um, it doesn't have to be Christian. Yeah. But it all is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How sad. 
Um, no, Joshua. Um, I was going to say Joshua Harris. Talk about that later. We're <laughs> we were talking about purity rings. I thought of Joshua Harris. No, um, Joshua Garrels just released Frisaline. We'll link it in the show notes. I think it's on Bandcamp, and I just love it. Literally, I've only listened to it um, a little bit, but I just find it so beautiful and calming. And the brilliance you've interviewed before. Yes. I just, Episode two, so good. Yeah, I just, I just think they're amazing. Um, they released the. Oh, Dreamer, so the Dreamer Suite. I listen to that fairly regularly. And then also, like, kind of Reliant K is always good to switch foot. Oh, yes. Um, I'm such a generic Christian sometimes. I do want to ask Jessica, what secular music did you listen to growing up? Because I think that the listeners should really know about the secular artists you listen to. Go. Uh, just to clarify that I was an extra cool kid. So we already know the story about me listening to Hillsong growing up uh, and the fact that I rocked out to All Things Are Possible, which is a super deep cut. But I... No, it's not. That was like the biggest song. Oh, no, no. No, but it's a deep cut for people who've followed Hillsong for the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're, they're like, that exists? What? Yeah. It's an amazing song. Yeah. Anyway, okay, darling chick. Uh, no, secular music. Well, you could say that I started as a journalist. Like, my... I received the CD in the year 2000. I was 10 years old and it was from the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Mm. And uh, it was Nicky Webster singing Will Be One. Yeah, and, uh, I was meant to get that. Santa was meant to give it to me. But, you know, divine act of God, <laughs> I received it. Santa put it in the wrong sack and it changed the course of Jessica's life. Because while Nikki Webster f- was popular for one day of her career, the yeah. poor thing, I really liked her um, because she sang music that a lot of kids liked and I never yeah. really grew out of that, but yeah. solid tunes. Um, yeah. Really, Strawberry Kisses. Oh, my that? gosh. I don't think I can because Sony, but guys, I'm going to link you to Strawberry Kisses. It's even better than it sounds. <laughs> Brilliant. Watch the film clip on um, YouTube. I think lots of like fake pink leather, but like a kid like dancing with a rope. It's, it was like a little Britney Spears. It's, it was like, but it was kid friendly. Okay, trust yeah, me, yeah. kid friendly. Anyway, it was a whole Australian thing, but that was the first time I heard music and I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I can listen to music that's not quote unquote Christian and still be pure and clean and a Jesus loving little child. Um, <laughs> and so that led me on a rabbit hole of Delta Goodrum is an amazing Australian singer-songwriter. Very Delta. Uh, a couple of years after I got into music, so I was about 14 and she would have been 19 or 20, she was diagnosed with cancer. And that was a really, I think, formative time in her career, but also in how I looked at the world. And mm. I remember communicating with her in the sense that I wrote her a fan letter. Mm. And um, <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. I was so devoted. And, um, and she responded back to me when she was still sick because she responded back to everyone. So it wasn't like I was special, but that was oh, like... you are special. <laughs> Thank you. But... <laughs> But it was like a time of going, oh, like musicians are real, they're real people with real hearts and real struggles. Mm. And there was a real pr- protectiveness of that in yeah. a sense. Um, apart from that guy, Sebastian, who I will claim as 
probably my favourite musician all day, every day. That's of the week. fair. He's a good musician. Yeah. He's great. And how many concerts have you been to, Jessica? 17. <laughs> and how many have I been to? 15. 15, <laughs> because I have to go with Jessica to nearly every concert. But I do yeah. like him. He's good. Guy was a safe bet in, secular, in the secular world because he was a planet shaker. And yeah. so I, I was like, oh, man, this guy, this, this dude loves Jesus and he's got an afro. He must be safe to listen to. And so, I mean, his first album wasn't very good. It was a generic, I just graduated from Australian Idol and Angels put together. Angels Yep, that's a thing too. Link below. Angels brought me here. Straightened yeah. afro should never be a thing. Yeah. But uh, his music now, I actually feel like it's gotten better and better with age. Oh, absolutely. And he's, yeah. he's I think, one of the primary artists who reflects on the idea of religion and marriage and music and it's the wholeness of things. It's very holistic music, but really great songwriter. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my favourites. Oh, and can I say John Foreman's Witchfoot, which again is the most generic Christian answer, but he's brilliant. Like, yeah, he's, he's um, brilliant. But it's also because I interned with Triad Love a few years ago. It was nearly. I felt like it was mandatory that I fall in love with Switchfoot, so I would listen, <laughs> so I would listen to Switchfoot like every day when I went for a walk, and it worked. I love them; they're the best. Yeah. So yeah. They're really good. You can find a Switchfoot song for whatever is going on in your life. Every day of the week. Yes. Yes. I got to interview John Foreman once and it was amazing. And my goal one day is to like give him a high five. My goal is to give him a high five. Thanks. Appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks for everything you've done to the world. Good one. Good one. So let's talk about, well, we've already touched on this a bit. The weirdest thing about being a Christian kid. Like we've already talked about this a little bit. Like we've talked about Veggie Tales, the fact that we're watching dancing, singing, talking vegetables on a screen. Who, who also like eat sandwiches of mini vegetables of them. Yeah, it's, they're like cannibal, cannibalistic vegetables, but we love them. Um, tell me some other, you know, something, other weird things about being a Christian kid from in your life. Cause we all have the stories. Oh my gosh. I have a vivid memory of being seven or eight years old and being bored in the playgrounds and deciding that it would be really fun to quote unquote, pretend Satan was at a door. Oh, I remember this game. And line up and kick it in Jesus name. So, you know, totally spiritual. We got, I'm kidding you not, yeah. like we must've had. 10 to 15 kids. Yeah, I think 15. Like Join, it was intense. Joining it and one by one, kicking the door, like not literally. Yelling insults at this red door, pretending it was Satan. And that was, was the game. Spiritual warfare, guys. It's real yeah. and it's a thing. And that was my childhood. We, we were indoctrinating the, the other year seven, uh, the other like seven, seven and eight year olds. We, it explained so much about us. Yeah. <laughs> really. We really cared for, for their souls. Um, <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Okay, yeah, so you said the Christian club. So Jessica and I had a bit of trouble at school, surprisingly. <laughs> we were friends with each other. Like, I mean, we were willing to be friends with, like, anyone. Like, that, that, was, that was the problem. <laughs> we were willing to be friends with anyone, but we decided that, you know, at times we, you know, we were like, we don't know who to play with and whatever. So we were like, let's create, like, a club. So every week we'd kind of start a new club, and it was generally under the umbrella of the Christian club. Sometimes we'd call it the fun club if we just didn't want to sound too, like, too in your <laughs> too face. Too Bible bash. I don't want to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be the fun club. But generally it was the Christian club. And in that club, you know, the base members were me and Jessica. We Always. were like the board, if you so, if you call that, um, making sure that we approved memberships, which happened regularly because we would get two or three kids in every week. If we were lucky. If we were, okay, yeah. Okay, one to two, if we were lucky. One if we were lucky. Um, no, we had at least one or two every week and there were the kids that were like shunned from their friendship group so they knew they could come hang out with us because we'd be like yay a new member Christians, Christians. yeah and so 
then they would come for the week and then you know they'd be accepted back into their friendship group the next week but we'd like like okay new member intake it's fine um but in that club like we we would basically probably do whatever we were doing in sunday school that week we'd probably bring printouts home but other than that <laughs> we would sing like hill song songs but when i say hill song songs like the ones that were like deep deep theology about heaven or about the blood of jesus <laughs> we sing those songs with actions and we like choreograph them and then we'd get the other kids in the club so i remember a vivid memory of two or three kids joining us and doing a dance and a song about the theology of the blood of jesus um and we'd we'd rehearse it all week and at the end of the week we would go up to a teacher and we'd basically say we are performing this for the class and the teacher would have to be like okay and so we would perform in front of like the year six class but we were basically just bringing our church life into our school life we just didn't realize that it was weird like to me god was real like the sky was blue and the way to understand god was to sing these songs that we always sang and to say things the way we always said them i didn't realize you could do things any differently and so i just thought everyone else would want to know about this awesome cool jesus that i knew and loved as well so why shouldn't they and i'll show them that through song and kicking a door and calling it the devil we were, yep, yeah. we, we were special. We were. Um, Possibly gave, eccentric. It, it gave us lots of groundwork for therapy. That we were 10. Which I appreciate. Yes, I do. So I thought uh, it would be really good to have you throw a few questions at me about the podcast. Uh, one, because you actually listen to it, but also you actually get it because you're one of us. That... <laughs> wow, <laughs> I have the mark. Okay, so Jessica, tell us, what started between you and me, Pod? Uh, so I started it, a lot of you guys will know because I mentioned it through interviews, I started it after I left Nashville last year uh, and I had to leave not because I wanted to, but because I, the visa I had only allowed me to stay for a certain period of time. So I left going, I love this city and I love these people, but there's this really weird dichotomy in Nashville of Christianity and there's commercial Christianity and this real deep faith that some people have. And then there's politics thrown in, which is very weird for me coming from Australia because Australians have very different views on politics at the moment in America because we watch things on TV. That's so true. So I came home trying to figure out where I fitted in that and what my faith meant in that. And I remember one day, it was Good Friday, um, the, the service at Bridgestone Arena, with Chris Tomlin and oh, yeah. 18,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> um, it's actually really a good show, for lack of a better term. But, well, I know I love Chris Tomlin. He's, I really yeah, respect yeah. him. I remember standing there, and my friend from Australia was visiting, 
and uh, and watching all these people, and, and we actually got told off because the safety hazard that we were dancing. But like, guys, Good Friday, come on, good people. things are happening. But I remember watching everyone, as you do, and and seeing people just sitting there eating popcorn because Ch- Bridgestone Arena. Church is an observational sport. <laughs> Clearly, yes. Um, and just being so dirty on everybody, <laughs> and and just being like, you're, if I can say this, you're all white. You're all probably very evangelical, which is not bad. I'm white. I'm evangelical. So please know I'm this. This is me. But I'm staring at it being like, you. Pr- a lot of you probably believe in things or have leanings towards things that I disagree with. How do I fit in this? And I was getting so bitter. And mm. however you see faith or however you communicate with God or a higher being, for me it's always been very um, a sense of feeling something or images in my head. Um, and I just had this sense of being like, Jessica, you are one of those people that you're judging. Wow. And I was like, really? No, I'm not. And, 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 and God was like, uh, yeah, you are. Do you want to see what you're doing right now? And, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> and so that sort of began the unraveling of me going, I belong to this church and these people yeah. because I, I profess to have the same saviour as them. Yeah, absolutely. And there are parts of Christian culture that, I love some of it. I make fun of to cope with, but a lot of it I, I love. Like I love music. I love it's, worship. It's like your family at Christmas time. It like we love them. Truly but is. Yeah. We all have a bit of a. Giggle. You don't want to get in a debate with Uncle no. Uncle Jim. I came home from that trip, trying to figure out what it looked like to love God's people. Mm. I found it a lot easier. I I felt it was a lot easier to love people outside the church than people in because I resonated with somewhat with the pain or the feeling of being an outsider yeah um so i started the podcast to literally work through my own disillusionment and stop becoming cynical Mm, so Um, it was a therapeutic exercise yes you could say it really truly was um and sometimes you can hear that on some episodes and some weeks when i've i try to be really careful about how much of myself i put into an episode because i want you guys to know me but i want the focus to be on the guest yeah and that's part of my job as a journalist that's why we're doing this episode so we can make it all about jessica (laughs) thank you but um, there are some weeks where my vocal is flatter, but part of it is actually me being like, I feel so lost this week. The world is a mess. X amount of things have happened. My government is claiming this and it is acting like this. People in the church that I go to are doing this. And it's, and it's me trying to figure out where the heck do I fit in all this? How do I love people? Mm. Um, and so sometimes it comes out in the episodes because yeah. when people are telling me the stories of their pain, while it's completely unique to them and all theirs, I hear the same sort of isolation or that feeling of where is God in this? And I, I love, I love it when they share that because I sort of go, I'm not alone in it. And yeah. I, know, I know I'm not alone in, in the wrestle. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, and that's like locally in our hometown as well as globally there are so many people going through different things absolutely but we don't always talk about it or or as adults we don't always have space or time to talk about it we're exhausted i found the podcast has been really healing for me in a sense that by giving people a space to share their stories um i feel validated in mine but also in some way i hope changes my heart and mind so i'm less judgmental and more prone to accept when i disagree with someone and that was the aim of it yeah and like just when I've been listening to it, 
like the thing that has stuck out to me hearing all these people's stories it's actually you know i found something in every episode that i've been able to relate to and i think that's the beauty of listening to people's stories you know we're all so different and we come from different backgrounds and are experiencing different things but you know our basic humanity is that we we are able to empathize with each other and there's always something that i'm going to be able to identify with whether that just be like a basic feeling of happiness joy loneliness um, the wrestle or whether it be an actual situation that, that I or someone else I know has gone through um, and I think that is healing I think that that is you know when I was in Bible college they call that the incarnational presence walking alongside someone actually experiencing what it is to have Jesus with us in that moment and I feel like empathy and connecting with someone in their story is a part of that a feather is a tongue question what has surprised you most doing this podcast I think what has been most surprising for me and which has been really good for my heart Mm. has been the amount of people who I've spoken to and interacted with through the podcast yeah yeah how many have said we need this wow and that that was not something I expected I I hoped it was because I never wanted the podcast to be self-indulgent. I mm. don't see the point in that. Yeah, yeah. You may as well just journal if you want that, um, which is fine. Do that, please. <laughs> but um, but I've had a few artists that I've talked to and people in the industry and even friends who listen to the podcast who have grown up in the same weird universe that we have sort of say, oh, I needed that. Or like mm. we had, I put up a post on Instagram about like weird Christian kid bingo. And we had a few people be like, oh my gosh, I got 24 out of 25 of them or something. Mm. And like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. Like, and, and just being the whole fact that we all walk through this together. Mm. Like we, we, we all lived in this tiny little universe of evangelical Christianity or conservative Christianity, mm. whatever you call it. And we've all come through the process of trying to figure out what our, who we actually are in that. Yeah. Like, who is God? Who are we? What is the church? And what do we believe? Yeah. Um, and it's been really, really cool for me to see listeners and musicians, often who cross over, say, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Because so many of us, well, we're human. We all hurt. It's just that Absolutely. when we have the mask or the pressure to feel like we should be a perfect Christian or in, in the Christian music industry that we should be this perfect image of something that's going to be sellable to make a living that we can't always express that. So, so I've really loved hearing those stories and connecting with people on that level. That's been a real privilege. Yeah. 
And that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's actually you've got the finger on the pulse because what's actually been happening culturally, it's been happening for a long time. Like people for a long time have been deconstructing and reconstructing their faiths. We all actually have to do that in our faith journey. Our generation is doing that at an accelerated rate at the moment. Yeah. And so having a healthy space like this podcast and there's other podcasts around and other, you know, musicians that are creating conversation about this, but like healthy conversation, life-giving conversation where we can talk about what hurts and heals and changes us brings brings change and transformation in our lives. And I think that's really exciting. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Last question about the podcast. Who is your most memorable guest? Dang. Um... I keep going back to David Zuck from Remedy Drive. Yeah. That yeah. was just an amazing interview. And I, I don't know if I commented on it afterwards because I sometimes like wrap up the interview after it's finished. Mm. But we we were doing it without a video link. So this was all audio. And so uh, David is a really intense guy. Like he means what he says. Mm. And he's so genuine. But I couldn't read his body language. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we don't know each other. So it was really funny because we'd have these moments of intensity be like, yes, mm-hmm. where he's talking about going overseas and and helping rescued kids and women who were in sex trafficking and, yeah. and moments of like him just feeling so sold out by the Christian music industry and choosing to step away from that. Um, and then he'd make a joke. But I didn't know it was a joke <laughs> because I couldn't see his face. And so we had actually say it. Like, you can actually hear it on the interview. That's um, so awkward. But, but, I mean, apart from the fact that that was actually really funny, um, I there's a moment in that interview that I've talked about where I ask him how he's wrestled with his faith and believing in a good God when he sees what he has seen, when he's on yeah. the ground working with those girls and he wants to save them and he can't. Oh, and man. there was just this pause, like two or three seconds, and that just felt like one of the most sacred experiences I've had in my life. Wow. Because it was just honest and painful and I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and, he, and, he, and he answered beautifully and it was honest. Yeah. But I think that that three seconds of silence, like yeah. that authenticity is something that I, I hope for in all my interviews. When one lost at last is finally found There is a song Brightens the day, angels singing along to keep the darkness at bay. It breaks down the walls, opens the gates, it rings in the halls and in the hearts of the saints. Listen when a soul set free, you can hear the angels sing. Oh, heaven rings when a soul set free, when a soul set free. sponsors. Do you create wedding videos, podcasts, ads, content, maybe even one of those slideshows while you're trying to move your church into the 21st century? Well, Soundstripe is the answer to all your problems. The ultimate music stock site made for video producers, they offer a great variety of high quality royalty free songs and have an unlimited licensing model. This is literally one of a kind in the industry. 
And that is because it was created by musicians. With a monthly or yearly fee, you have unlimited access to world-class music. We are talking composers like Aaron Sprinkle and Matt Winton. Every time you license a song through Soundstripe, the royalty goes straight back to the musician. With curator playlist, new music every week, and more than 30,000 special effects, this is the ultimate source of music for creatives. Trust me, I've been using this since day one with Between You and Me, and I can tell you that any background music you are hearing comes directly from Soundstripe. They are absolutely incredible. When you sign up for Soundstripe today, you can get 10% off using the code YouMePods. That is soundstripe.com with the code YouMePods. And now, back to the show. Okay. So we are on to our last section of questions. Yes. And this is about one of our favourite topics of all Yay. time. And I actually mean that. Um, let's talk about mental health. Cue the horns. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So Jessica, tell me why it is you're passionate about mental health. Because most people aren't passionate about it. <laughs> so a big part of why I love music so much mm. is because uh, when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety at 13? Yeah. I was 13, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Music was essentially what got me through. Mm. And God did. God was the reason I stayed. But uh, music was what made me happy and gave me a language. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when I would listen to Delta, Goodrum and Guy Sebastian on repeat. Literally on repeat. Oh, my gosh. Rachel could quote those word for word. So could I. It's just ridiculous. Um, Good music. I mean, at the time as well, like I was listening to – soundtracks from tv shows and all sorts of stuff but mm. music is what gave me oh, some some lens to the outside world i wasn't afraid of it i was afraid of everything yeah. else but i wasn't afraid of music and so i mean when i discovered hillary duff and lizzie mcguire and and that sort of stuff and then it turned into like hannah montana and miley cyrus yeah that's a <laughs> Sorry. thing well miley cyrus up to a point yeah up to, up to a point that is i mean I totally get you got to be yourself. No, like, yeah, awesome. Good but job, also yeah. the Disney days. I've been a big Disney fan for as long as I can remember. So, like, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, all those people in the Back early, in that era. That, yeah. In the early days. And the Jonas Brothers in that era. That was my jam because it was so so innocent and pure. And I know Well, now, we thought it was innocent and pure. We did. We know now that's not the case. But for, like, a really sheltered 14 year old who's struggling to find any light in the day and can't get up in the morning and is just desperately holding on to the fact that her favorite singer songwriter who's two years older than her is releasing an album in two years that was good so i think that's how the love of music started Uh, because like we've talked about like our history growing up because of that and the weight of that illness and figuring out whether i wanted to be alive or not the good things in that were Jesus and music. Yeah. So I held on to that. Um, and that's when I got the inspiration to become a journalist because I'd always loved writing. And I was 15 or 16. And you would remember I bought every single freaking magazine possible with oh, Guy was, Sebastian in it. It was impressive. It was, Her, yeah. it was like my entire $20 allowance was... Yeah. Who magazine you, and TV week. It was like, what? Your mag, your, sorry, your walls were literally covered with, with posters. It was literally it top was, to bottom. It was very impressive. Guys. It was impressive. It was very impressive. I loved it because like, I just read all the magazines after you bought them. Yeah. I had like free subscriptions for years. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and because of that, I really loved pop culture. I love, yeah. I love secular culture because my favorite artists were quote unquote secular artists. Um, but a lot of them either had uh, Christian faith, came from that, or 
had just really great morals or were really pure in the sense that like they were really well respected in the industry and really empowered females and I identified with them in that um Mm. so yeah that sort of was a trajectory with journalism and it really stemmed from um from my struggle with mental health yeah 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 so tell us about um the creative means that you have used to to look at that safe space that music creates so like I know that when you were younger you you know you actually wrote your own music I know you didn't want me to bring that up but I wanted to but and you know also your book that you wrote so tell us a little bit about that um so I, I like to think that one of the reasons I can do a somewhat good job at relating to artists when I talk to them is because I have a very minor experience of it and when I say minor, I mean really minor. Um, I played piano for eight years and I only got to level one. You were very good at level one. I wasn't. I was in preliminary. I think I got to level one in the last year. Yeah, but like... And I couldn't even use the pedal. Oh, I'll take it back. <laughs> I was trying to be positive. Um, sorry. Sorry. But, when too, I, too but my writing, I always love writing, but my creative writing before it was journalistic, it actually started as poems and songs that's right and so I used to write lyrics in my journal every night and I did that for years and I put them with music all in the chord of C major because that's all I can play (laughs) that's right yeah made it easy to sing yep definitely my friends once called it Jessica's chord because that's the only chord I knew and I played it well through high school we were both part of a gospel choir and when you think gospel please think more like White gospel. Oh, a bunch of white girls singing was, charismatic songs. We were great, though. I know, we were great. Like, we, we loved awesome. it. That's where we learned to do harmonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just didn't want people to come under the illusion that I had, I, I was soulful. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> like that. that was odd mass. And I came through that, and actually, one of our leaders recorded her own EP. And she was yeah. like 24 at the time. And I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. She had a bigger repertoire than I had in terms of knowing chords and singing but I was like well I can still sing I can still play music I want to do this um so I saved up money and recorded a cd that was okay and it was beautiful thank you Rachel and now I have tried to hide all traces of that from the internet because that was a thing I'll see if I can uh, get her to just chuck a little track in there (laughs) <laughs> because it's it's pure gold my friends it's pure gold it's, it's brilliant we won't put the one in about the Jonas Brothers yeah they we'll w- put the one in about trusting in God because it's beautiful there was a song about the Jonas Brothers and Brooke Fraser and purity rings oh god wanna ride with you do the wheels fall off do we run running out with our road wanna dance with you do the music stops we got no place to go Everybody needs a place to hide This don't have to be a bumpy ride I think we should be alone tonight we don't have to be lonely So now that we've talked about um, your CD, Hazak, Be Strong, in Hebrew. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, thank you. Let's talk about your book, When Hope Speaks. Thank I you. hear that it's available for purchase. <laughs> I didn't even ask her to say that. In hard copy at Coolrong in Australia or on Amazon. I was writing blogs for years when, but when blogging was cool, 
MySpace. Yeah. Uh, but, but but after MySpace days, you remember Tumblr? Tumblr was the best. And, and, and really, well, it really, depends, but it was pretty good. Really hipster indie people are still on Tumblr. Um, I started writing personal blogs on there, which was your standard, let me tell you about my life. Um, and from there, headed to DeviantArt to post some of my song lyrics. DeviantArt! Yeah, which, I mean, the, honestly, they weren't great. I went back the other day. For some reason, I still had it. I think I'd actually deleted it, thank God. But they weren't very good. But I I started putting together, together sort of blogs and stories. And then I went to uni to pursue journalism. And I was told, you can get a credential in journalism, but if you don't have published work, you're nothing. It's all about, Ouch. Doesn't yeah. Deviant Art count? <laughs> well, now you know, because I was like, well, I just have to get my name out there. So I started volunteering to write with lots of different places, including Jesus Wired, which is how I got this gig. Yeah, Jesus Wired. Um, but I also started writing my own blogs because I thought, well, if I can write something, yeah. at least it's, it's online. And, Good point. And at the time, it was somewhat cool to blog and people, yeah, I went through that phase. And, and people still used Facebook for fun things. <laughs> yeah, like when you had that game where you could put a little fish tank on your wall. Yeah. And you had to clean it. That yeah. was fun. And like you had like Farmville. But but we also yes! but we also shared funny things. It wasn't just dog videos and political crap. It was <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's not important. I no, share that. I share that. I that's all I share on my timeline. That's the only reason I go on. Dog now. videos and political crap. That's yeah, what I do. But, but at the time it was it was a really cool thing to have people share their own art. Um, so I bought my own domain, uh, went with .net because .com was way too expensive. I still have .net to this day and we're sticking with it, guys. Jessica Morris.net, there you go. Um, but I would start writing about whatever I thought was interesting, which was mainly pop culture. So I wrote about the Jonas Brothers and the fact that Joe Jonas decided to stray away from his faith. And uh, Shock! Horror! Shock, horror! I, th- I wrote about Selena Gomez's film that i allege was pornographic Ooh. oh i caused roofs with that one guys there was Ooh. a comment war of one person and myself um and i i wrote a troll and, and, and then Sorry. i wrote about mental health and i wrote about my story and as i started traveling i traveled for the first time when i was about 21 uh, in 2011 i started writing notes to the internet to myself journal entries reflecting on everything some of them were poetic some of them were essays some mm. of them were letters that were never sent and they started to build up and they i would like to think they got better as they went along <laughs> over the years i sort of i pulled that back especially as i went more professional as a journalist and now you only see very selective articles not as I have said in the past, some clangers from my early 20s. We all have some clangers, oh, whether it be writing or life choices. Yes, yes. It um, happens to all of us. But it set me up to, I hope, write from a really honest place. Um, so I got a job. My current job is actually with a nonprofit organization and they have a publishing department. And I heard that they accepted book proposals. So I looked at what I had. And it's always been a dream to publish a book, but I didn't know how or what. And it just felt like too much to write a whole narrative piece. But I knew I had bits and pieces. I knew someone who had published a memoir recently who had actually published it in the form of essays. Uh, I knew that Don Miller had done that. I knew that a guy called Kevin Briel from Canada, who's a mental health advocate, had done that. And I thought, maybe I can do that too. Maybe there's room for Jessica Morris's voice here, here. on the bookshelf. It turned into When Hope Speaks, um, which is a book about my journey with depression and mental health and spirituality and I split it into my time at home 
and my time in places like Los Angeles and the Grand Canyon and Nashville and Florida. And in each part, I reflect on some of my experiences there because I've, I've lived in the US at different times um, and traveled to a few different places, like I said. So I look at different parts of that country and use them sometimes as literal stories of my own growth and development and unraveling of my faith to use the word that Brady Toops so wonderfully uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times I use those cities as metaphors for my own growth. So the Grand Canyon became what depression was to me and finding beauty in that. Yeah. Um, and Los Angeles was the first place that I touched down when I traveled and it was a when I realized that the world was so much bigger than me um, and New York was a place where 9-11 happened and I walked ground zero and, mm. and fear didn't win that day. And we put it together and it's something I'm really proud of. You should be. It's, um, it's really good. Yeah. And I, it made me cry a few times. <laughs> oh, thank you, Rachel. Um, and so I've been really, really privileged that I've had um, people buy that and read it and um yeah i think for me there's always a tension of going what is too christian and what isn't christian enough and mm. that's been a constant battle in my life it's, it's a hard one yeah it's it, for me in my life it's always been I've, i was the weird christian kid and i never fitted in for it so it was like how do i fit in without not without losing that um and then i started working professionally as a journalist and i had to learn how to pull back from the cliche christian phrases and the you know, the Christianese, for lack of a better term, yeah, yeah. to actually be relevant to people and to actually meet people where they're at. And I'm so grateful for those experiences because I feel like I can write for different audiences now and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm better at relationships with people who are different to me now. Yeah. Um, but it's still something that I constantly struggle with. I just want to leave my mark upon your hard world. Jessica, if someone's listening today um, and they're in a hard spot, you know, life is really dark and lonely, or they know someone, what would you say to them? A few years ago, I wrote the words, please stay. And I used it to end my book. And a year later, I found that I was repeating those words for myself because I relapsed. So I think I would say if you're struggling or if you're looking for any semblance that you belong or that you matter here, I would would want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, please stay. Wait out this moment. I know it's unbearable, but please stay in this moment. That never takes away the pain. That's not meant to minimise it because myself and so many people who I love know that you can't just snap your fingers or pray and the pain goes away that Mm. doesn't remove trauma necessarily (laughs) like Mm. i wish but you matter and it's a cliche phrase because it goes around so much now but Mm. like phrases like you matter and you are enough they're actually true 
and you actually are deserving of a good life. Years of depression and darkness and considering leaving show me that the God I know wants me to be alive and he wants me to be happy. Yeah. And so I would say to you, please stay. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, I, I would say that people care about you a lot. Um, and I think when we're, when we're in these moments or seasons of our lives, it feels like no one knows or cares. Um, and for, for, for some people, you know, we are really isolated. You know, there's some people that are so isolated, but I want you to know that when it comes to your life, yours counts. And there are people that are willing to go above and beyond for you, even if it doesn't feel like that. Um, I've seen that over and over and over again in my work and in my life. I would encourage you to, to like, let someone that you know, know that you're not doing too good. You know, just say, I need some help right now. Just say, I'm having some thoughts and they're scary. And if that's too much, because I know that's scary, if that's too much, in Australia you can actually ring a phone number and you can talk to someone about it. And it's a person that's trained to actually be able to help you. Um, And I've found myself that it's really, really helpful to get through those really, really tough moments where you feel alone. So in Australia, it's Lifeline and you can call the numbers 13 11 14 for free. That's 13 11 14 and talk to someone. If you are in the USA, you can call their Lifeline. That is at 1-800-273-8255. If you are listening from another country, and I know that we have friends from Canada and Venezuela, hi, you're awesome, uh, and all sorts of places, the UK, there are resources in your area too, I promise. Absolutely. You can access them by going to to write love on her arms and their website they have an international find help section which will actually give you a specific number for your country and for some places actually give you access to services in your region so you can visit twilloha.com that is t-w-l-o-h-a.com forward slash find dash help you will find links to all those websites and those numbers in the show notes I know it's all you've got to just be strong And it's a fight just to keep it together, together I know you think that you are too far gone But hope is never lost Hope is never lost now to finish the show awesome thank you so much for joining us rachel pleasure and for sharing your inspiration and <laughs> veg- and your veggie tales knowledge which is amazing with us i 
you will know this because you listen to the podcast. I throw quick questions at all our musician friends. Yeah. To see what answers we'll get. I want to ask you the same questions. Oh. And then you can turn them back on me because it feels only fair. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. What is the one worship song you never want to hear again? Not because it's bad, but because you've heard it too much. I go through stages where I have heard a church song so many times, you know, at least once a week for 10 years in a row that I'd never want to hear it again. Bless people who were part of youth ministry and college ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. There's one song in particular that I would be happy if I never heard it again, and it's called Turn It Up by Planet Shakers. Um, Represent Australian. Yeah, yeah, Planet Shakers do some awesome stuff, but that's just one song that is just one I I never particularly want to hear again. You know what I realised? I actually own that album. Oh, excellent. I could play that for you every day of your life if you want it, Rachel. You actually could. Yep. <laughs> My birthday. You can play me that song. Okay, so what's your answer? So the oh, song that you would be happy to never hear again. You know what? I was about to say Shout to the Lord, but that would make me so sad because it's such a good song. It's because it was our school hymn. So we had to sing it every week in a chapel on like really hard wooden chair pews with blazers on that were like four sizes too big. Yeah, so I think I would say this. I never want to hear the flat, soulless rendition of Shout to the Lord ever again. Amen. I will happily hear it sung by Darling Chick or any amazing singer who loves it and believes it and feels those words, but never let me hear that dry, flat version, please. It's excruciating. (laughs) Amen, sister. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, next question. Favourite album of all time? You can give me three. That's what I give my normal guests. The three albums that are some of my favourite of all time. Roma Waterman, Fearless Courage. Amen. Brilliance, pure brilliance. Um, D.S. Vale, All the Houses Look the Same. I wish they were still around. Yeah. I, don't, I wonder if I could find out what they're doing now. Yeah, I, I just listened to that album on repeat when I was going to Bible college over and over and over again. Um, and the last one is In a Breath by New Empire. Oh. Beautiful album. Beautiful. Solid Australian representation, Rachel. Whoop, whoop. Very, very proud there. Wow, I just said whoop, whoop. I'm such an old youth leader, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jessica, your top three. Oh, and you so... can't choose Nikki Webster because she's not. it's not a Christian album. Oh, no, you can choose non-Christian albums. Oh, take that all back. Don't record that bit. Do you, okay, okay, do you have a non-Christian album you want No. <laughs> okay, sorry, Jessica. So your top three. Okay, I'm going to choose the most iconic. Innocent Eyes by Delta Goodrum, mm. which is not a Christian album, but... But it's beautiful. It's an amazing album. It's like one of the most owned albums in Australia. Yeah. It's like from 2003 or something, but it's just a ridiculous album. She was 17 when she recorded it. Every single track is brilliant. Oh, Every she, single she one. She had like six nearly number one singles on it. I don't know. Little Jessica loved it and 29-year-old Jessica is still here for it. It is phenomenal. Amen. I will link you to it. You're welcome. Um, apart from that, I feel like there has to be a Guy Sebastian CD in there and the one that probably actually most reflects my own journey is Armageddon. Mm, That's good one. an amazing album. That album includes the song Get Along, which... Uh, a lot of a lot of Australian Christians got upset by controversial. Yeah, it was really controversial because he talks about other religions in it and talks about empathy and love and compassion. He also has a track on there called Battle Scars, which was a huge track in Australia and the US. He did a duet with Lupe Fiasco for that, and that song, apart from the fact that it's just beautifully, amazingly written, like it's just a great jam, um, 
when you listen to it and it's all about pain and trauma and overcoming heartbreak or like the darkness is just amazing okay so what would your final one be i think i would have to go john foreman and his ep summer this is from 2008 and I was trying to figure between all the just Switchfoot albums and his EPs because they've all sort of melted into one big pop for me because I listened to them all at the same time in 2013. So it's hard for me to know which album is which. But that EP, Summer, contains a song, Your Love is Strong. Oh, and it's brilliant. Essentially the Lord's Prayer, but it is just... Yeah. I've heard it performed live numerous times and I remember hearing it when I got back from living in the States a few years ago, having no idea what was going on with my life, but just lying on the floor and having it playing over and over and just finding solace in it. And that's my favourite song of all time. Mine too. Mine yeah. too, yeah. It's just, if I had to hear one song for the rest of my life, I think I would choose that one. Last question. Rachel, if you were to go back to 19, you would just finished school and Dia's Vale is playing over and over <laughs> on your on the car radio, uh, and it's summer. Yeah, and it was a good it was a good summer. What would you say to yourself, knowing what you know now? I would say enjoy this summer season because it's going to be the most carefree you'll ever be in your whole entire day. <laughs> um, because you don't have a proper job yet, you're about to work as a kids entertainer, so life will never be the same again. Um, but no, what. In all seriousness, what I would say to 19-year-old Rachel is that you don't have to do things a certain way to please God and that you'll find that there's a lot of people that do things very differently and relate to God in very different ways and all of them are just as valid as each other and that means that the way you relate to God is just as important and valid as theirs. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'd say. And what about you? What would you say to 19-year-old Jessica? Dang, I was saving to record a CD. <laughs> okay, so aside from the fact that you said off mic, don't drive into that pole, I that's probably the funniest you're going to get from me. Um, I think I would say you don't have to prove yourself to be worthy enough. Mm, good one. I think um, at 19, I was really struggling to figure out where I fitted and where I belonged in the world and in the church and I was trying to be the best most amazing journalist ever to save the world and the best church member ever and I thought I had to do all these things to be good enough to please people and probably please God fear runs deep spreading like a virus hate is cheap from afar it cost you nothing, sister, take my hand, brother, we will stand, open up your heart and find Love is turning over tables, breaking off chains, when I see you in a stranger, I'm no longer the same, turning over tables, tearing down like to connect with between you and me 
We would absolutely love that. I say it every podcast episode, but it's so true. You can find us on the internet at betweenyouandmepod.com. You'll find links to our merch, to our episodes, a little bit more info about me and all those fun things. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram at betweenyoumepod. If you love today's episodes or our other episodes with musicians or you want to hear more from musicians, that's always a good thing. And not like a random social worker. (laughs) Who loves Christian music? Yes. More than I realized. We would love you to subscribe and follow us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, all those great places. If you really enjoyed today's episode, can we also ask a quick favor? We would love it if you gave us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Four or five, please. If you would like any links or any resources from today's episode, including find help resources, uh, funny videos from the thousands, or any VeggieTales references, you will find them in our show notes below. Until then, my name is Jessica Morris. I'm Rachel. <laughs> you sound like a VeggieTales character. I'm Rachel. Sorry. <laughs> Say it again. Go again. No, that was what I needed. <laughs> Do you want that off? Okay, then. <laughs> and, and I will be back in two weeks with more stories about musicians and what hurts, heals, and changes us in the Christian music industry. I'll see you then. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down. For listening to the Between You and Me podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to jesuswire.com.